And welcome in to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley, off producer Julio Sanchez, as we talk college football for a straight hour. What a night on 610 Sports Radio. Again, players only, Dana Hughes, Mark Collins in here, Joe Mays off tonight from the Chris Kleiman Show. A very happy Chris Kleiman. He's got Texas this weekend after a nice win against Oklahoma. Last weekend, the week before last, the Sunflower Showdown beatdown over Kansas. They'll play Texas. This weekend, usual cast of characters join me tonight. John Kurtz, uh, host of Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Networks. All things Kansas State. He's got a great one that he put out last week about Michael Bishop, played with Tom Brady there in New England, a Kansas State legend. Plus, University of Missouri with Gary Pinkle as he joins us each and every week. And Josh Klingler, Kansas football sideline reporters. We round out the uh, the local schools, talking some local football, then we'll get into some playoffs right here. But what a weekend. We talked last week a lot about the Sunflower Showdown with Kansas State and just how important, just how important that game was for Kansas State and Kansas, to be honest with you, too. First sellout since 2009 in Lawrence. A lot of Kansas State fans were there, but that so be it. But Kansas State fans obviously fired up, and I'm not sure they go to Lawrence if it wasn't for what was going on in Manhattan, Kansas, how good that team played against Oklahoma. People are buying in to Chris Kleiman. This is somebody that I think they're starting to come around to. And why shouldn't they? Kansas State right now, 20th in the AP, or excuse me, 20th in the AP, 22nd in the coaches poll. Not only that, the one that matters is the college football playoff rankings. Kansas State ranks 16th. Now they're getting respect. They did not get respect in the uh, Big 12 preseason media poll. Matter of fact, they were picked ninth in the Big 12. A lot of wait and see. And I think that's the way it's been with the recruits in the state of Kansas as well. We've talked about the top 10 recruits in the state of Kansas, the high school football recruits. Number 7, 9, and 10 committed to Kansas State. And then you got to go beyond that, 11 and 12 going to Kansas. The number one recruit in state alignment from Lawrence Free State going to Nebraska. Top running back in the state going to Minnesota. Top receiver in the state from Bishop Miege going to Minnesota. And I think a lot of times these people committed before because there was kind of a, we know, uncertainty going on in Manhattan and in Lawrence. Certainly, Nebraska's put themselves right up there in the field of uncertainty. This is a way to start winning the recruits. You go down, and I think this game actually bigger than Oklahoma. Oklahoma's great top five team. Kansas State does not recruit against Oklahoma. They recruit against Kansas. They recruit against Missouri. And showcasing that game in Lawrence, the Sunflower Showdown, that did mean something this year. In previous years, it really didn't. But it was really interesting to me because it was two head coaches going at it head-to-head. Les Miles against Chris Kleiman. Les Miles, you know, everybody knows Les, Oklahoma State, LSU, national title. Chris Kleiman, a lot of people really didn't know, but I think a lot of hardcore football fans did. His success at North Dakota State. Recruited well in the Kansas City area. Kansas City kids going to North Dakota State. Four national titles at the 1AA level. FCS, if you want to call it that. Still call it 1AA. Three is an assistant coach. Two is defensive coordinator. One is a defensive assistant. Seven national title rings. He knows what he's doing. I feel like he's a lifer. But what a performance by Kansas State. And more particularly, how about that of, of Skylar Thompson? He that doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. Remember Alex Delton? was split in time with Skylar Thompson. Alex Delton transferred before the year started. He went to TCU. 
replaced by a true freshman named Max Duggan. Alex Delton, by the way, has already left the TCU program. He did not see it through this year. So not only did Alex Delton make his way to Manhattan with TCU, he's now gone from college football. Skylar Thompson, though, unbelievable. Seven rushing touchdowns in his last two weeks. He manufactures the pass and the run. Was the leading rusher for Kansas without Gilbert and Brown in this game. Ends up running for 127. 17 carries, three touchdowns. You know what he threw? 16 passes, 129 yards. Translation, that's about as balanced you can get between the run and the pass. Very Bill Snyder-esque with one Skyler Thompson. Seven rushing touchdowns in the last two weeks. But more impressively, Kansas State in this game, they controlled the clock. We've talked a lot about that with the Kansas City Chiefs. Time of possession. Time of possession for the Cats, 38 minutes, 3 seconds. Kansas Jayhawks, 21-57. But here's the telling mark of it. And keep in mind, Kansas State had 11 penalties for 113 yards. Kansas, just 4 for 55. But the telltale sign was Kansas State running the football without their top two backs. Harry Trotter, the transfer from Louisville, did a nice job with 92 yards for Kansas State. But again, it was Skylar Thompson in the 127 of three touchdowns. Seven rushing touchdowns against Oklahoma, then their rival, Kansas. But 342 yards on the ground for Kansas State. Just 61 on the ground for the University of Kansas. And it made all the difference in the world. And I think it was a monumental win. Kansas State now goes and faces Texas. A team that's reeling at this point. Texas have lost earlier in the season to LSU. Not a bad loss. We all know how LSU faces Alabama this weekend. But the Texas Longhorns lose to LSU 45-38. to Lost a close one in Oklahoma 34-27. to Neutral site. But 4-4 four four TCU beat them by 10 last weekend in Fort Worth. Now it's uh, the Kansas State Wildcats that come face the Texas Longhorns. So we'll see what happens there. But it's all Skylar Thompson. And this guy's been doing it all. For the Kansas J or for the Kansas State Wildcats. Here's the turn and the fake. Thompson is going to run to the right. He will score. Wildcat touchdown in the Sunflower Showdown. And it's Kansas State on top, 6 nothing, with 7.21 to go in the opening period. I mean, he just kept going. Back to throw is Thompson. Here come the Jayhawks. Thompson is going to run. He is at the 10 to the 5. He got in there. He got in there. Touchdown, Kansas State. The Wildcats score, and it is 23-3. What a play by Skyler Thompson running to the right. And for the second week in a row, as you heard right here on 610 Sports Radio, Skyler Thompson with a nice cold into the game. Kenny Logan Jr. makes the stop with 22 seconds to go, and that is going to do it. Chris Kleiman and the Cats come to Lawrence. They drub the Jayhawks 38-10, to improving to 6-2. and two. Now, what were the Kansas Jayhawks saying? The Kansas Jayhawks, by the way, a bye this week. They had some momentum going. Scored 48. New offensive coordinator, Brent Deerman. Things look great. Up tempo style, 48 points they scored against Texas. And they parlayed that by putting the complete game together against Texas Tech. Had people buying it. And people buy it into the program and what they're doing. Here's Les Miles talking about the crowd. Oh, excuse me. I want to say this. I was never, um, uh, I never so enjoyed an env- environment and atmosphere. And I, uh, I can only tell you that our guys 
truly appreciate those people that were in the, in the stands and rooting for the Jayhawks. I, uh, I did not notice a lot of uh, purple. It looked like to me that this was bought by guys from Kansas and guys that, and gals that wanted the Jayhawks to win. And I, it was a loud stadium, and it was a Jayhawk loud. No, it was a lot like Arrowhead with all the Vikings fans in there. Same color in purple. Andrew Parchment, the outstanding junior wide receiver for Kansas, had this to say, KWCH out of Wichita caught it. I mean, they just came in and beat our ass, to be honest with you, so ain't nothing else to say. <laughs> he said enough right there. Chris Kleiman asked after the game about the win. I think the collective confidence of the football team's grown over the last three weeks because we keep getting better. We keep progressing, and you don't know when your time's called upon Harry Trotter, uh, whoever else, uh, Kiwi today, because he played a lot more when AJ got hurt. But I just think as a, as a football team, we're continuing to improve and get better. Well, the transfers, Jordan Brown, James Gilbert, wasn't them. It was the transfer, Harry Trotter, and it was Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, leading the way for the Kansas State Wildcats. Missouri, on the other hand, a bye week for Missouri to regroup and refresh. Georgia on the horizon, 6 o'clock on ESPN and 98.1 FM, our sister station. Georgia was what Missouri, that was who I'm looking at as the rival now. I know that Arkansas is kind of the manufactured rival in the SEC for Missouri, soon to be Kansas. Kansas is going to be right back there, the rival, now that they're going to play basketball again. But Georgia was the team to me. And when Missouri went down and paced to Georgia in 2013, that was kind of the eye-opening moment, I think, for Gary Pinkle in the Missouri Tigers program. Parlayed themselves all the way to the SEC title game that year against Auburn. They went back the next year, two straight SEC title games, that time losing Alabama. We'll talk to Gary Pinkle about the significance of Georgia and what it's meant to the University of Missouri. The playoff rankings did come out Tuesday. They'll also come out again Tuesday, November 12th, Tuesday, November 19th, Tuesday, November 26th, Tuesday, December 3rd, then the the big one, Sunday, December 8th. That's the college football playoff selection show. As I mentioned, Kansas State has themselves 16th right now in that poll. The top four, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Penn State. No Clemson. There's some people upset that Clemson isn't in it. Here's my thing, Clemson. Wait till this weekend. Alabama plays LSU, two versus three. Someone's losing. You're right back there in the top four. Not to mention November 23rd, Ohio State and Penn State, the same side of the bracket in the Big Ten, they play each other. So Ohio State and Penn State play each other coming up here in a couple weeks, and you have LSU, Alabama this week. Things will start matriculating down. I mean, look out. Look out this, who's who's six and seven. It's Georgia at six, Oregon at seventh. Oregon actually a good defense. In the Pac-12, never plays defense. Utah from the Pac-12 right there. Big 12, not a lot of representation as Oklahoma's coming in ninth, followed by Kansas State, or excuse me, Baylor at 12th, Kansas State at 16th, and Oklahoma State at 23rd in the latest college football rankings. So, big game this weekend. I'll give you my top three games at the end of the show. But coming up next, John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan, faithful to our colors podcast on 610 Sports Radio. How big was this win for Chris Kleiman? We'll find out next. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.
Welcome back to Rush to Fields. Time to talk Kansas State Wildcats with our man, John Kurtz. He's the program director at K-Man in Manhattan. Not only that, but following on Twitter at JL Kurtz. And, of course, check out his podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, Faithful to Our Colors. It's all about Kansas State uh, Wildcats. What's up, John? Hey, not too much, Jay. How are you? Hey, man, we talked a lot about it last week, the significance of this game against the University of Kansas. Now, I'm not one of these to say, all right, this this game against Kansas was bigger than Oklahoma because you used to be the top five team. It's hard to say that. But let's be honest. This game, with all the stuff that Kansas was talking and the fact to go make a statement to the recruits, winning this game in your home state, you could quantify it. It's as big as Oklahoma. I think in a lot of ways it was bigger. Um, I get the appeal of beating a top-five team, and it was certainly a huge win to, to beat Oklahoma, and it's given you a lot of national respect as evidenced by being 16 at the college football playoff rankings. But let's face it, K-State will be competing directly with Kansas for recruits uh, for years to come. It's not going to happen nearly as often with Oklahoma. And I, I think that's where this game carries a lot of weight. Uh, going out and beating Les Miles in year one of two new coaches, in particular when you're talking about two new coaches on both sides and establishing really who owns this rivalry in this series, it was gigantic. And you know, remember, it had been in the 80s since K-State had a coach not named Bill Snyder beat Kansas. So I think there was some legitimate hope there on the other side. And really the way it played out and how it happened with Kansas having a sellout crowd and some legitimate excitement with their program before that game, I think it actually works doubly against Kansas because the fans wind up leaving with the same dissatisfied feeling of seeing the same movie that they've seen over and over again, taking on K-State and just getting totally and utterly dominated. I mean, that was K-State rushed for 342 yards without their two best running backs, basically, for the entire game. Um, it was about as dominant of a performance as it gets. Uh, K-State's defense totally suffocated the Kansas offense. There was never really a point in that game as a Kansas fan where you were having fun at all and thinking that this team was in the game. And I think from that standpoint, it went as perfectly as it could have for the Wildcats, just as satisfying as something as, as the Cats have delivered to anybody in years. Not only that, it's the depth. We talk about Harry Trotter, you know, being a transfer into the program. Nice game for him, 92 yards rushing. But once again, Skyler Thompson carried the mail, 17 carries, 127 yards, three touchdowns, now seven touchdowns in the last two weeks for Skyler Thompson. He has really shown his versatility as a runner lately. Yeah, he's been great, and it was crazy. They found something in the speed option against Kansas. It worked once against Oklahoma as well, but they went after Kansas with that speed option play over and over again, and uh, I think we're surprised even that Kansas did not adjust to it. In fact, Skyler Thompson said as much after the game, but it's been such a key to opening up K-State's offense. Going back to the TCU game when Skyler had some huge runs on third and fourth downs, he had the 61-yard quarterback scramble, a quarterback draw, I should say, uh, in that game that was key on K-State's go-ahead touchdown drive, that's clearly opened up the offense so much. And Skyler's always been a guy that can run the ball. Uh, he's just not built like a Colin Klein. You think of that sort of Snyder 2.0 style that he used there. He, Skyler Thompson is more Jake Waters-esque running the ball, but that doesn't mean he's not athletic. And I think right now K-State is so comfortable using him in third-down situations and then inside the red zone that you're going to continue to see more and more of that. The other thing, too, is that I know Skylar Thompson did have 17 carries. That, that's more than you would like him to have, ideally. But he's been pretty good at getting out of bounds and knowing when to uh, go ahead and duck and get out of the way and not take big body shots. A little bit different than when it was quarterback power left and right uh, under Bill Snyder where you're just going to have to take more of those hits. So 
not all of those carries are necessarily created equally, but that, that's clearly been just a giant part of why the offense looks so much better. No question about it. And you think back to that game and what it made to Kansas State. I mean, they didn't screw around. I mean, 7-3 in the first quarter. Kansas State adds 10 in the second quarter, 7 in the third, 14 in the fourth. It was complete domination, as you said, all the way around. And they limited Carter Stanley. Carter Stanley had been playing well with Brent Nehrman, the offensive coordinator. You know, they switch offensive coordinator. Things are going good for Kansas. And uh, limited him in play. I mean, people are really talking to him. Well, look at what he's doing, Carter Stanley. But, man, I tell you what, this defense for Kansas State, they were ready for Deerman. You know, he did a lot of up-tempo stuff, scored 48 on Texas down at Texas. They beat Texas Tech. But you want to talk about uh, complete domination, as you say, Kansas State, 471 yards to just 241 at Kansas. They did a good job just kind of taking his confidence and reeling it back a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, that that was the big storyline of the game to me, beyond what K-State did running the ball. It's, it's the defense and how they slowed down Kansas' offense to a screeching halt. I mean, Brent Deerman had been such a hot name that the, the conversations I was having with people in Lawrence leading up to the game were like, okay, is Kansas going to be able to hang on to this guy at the end of the year? And I think he is a coach that is just still young and, and learning some things, and he ran into a pretty veteran defensive coach in Scotty Hazleton who had a lot of things schemed up very, very well. Uh, for instance, the interception that Carter Stanley threw before halftime to Daquan Patton. Daquan Patton was just sitting right there. Carter Stanley did not see him at all. And after the game, Chris Kleiman said that was a totally new look that K-State threw out defensively. It was not on film anywhere. Uh, really just had Carter Stanley's head spinning the entire game. You combine that with the fact that K-State's defensive line played, I think, their best game of the year and got pressure on Carter Stanley, and Kansas just couldn't do much. K-State on the back end said, we're not going to give up these big plays that you have been, Kansas, getting the last few weeks, and we're going to be able to get pressure with our front four, and that was the recipe to just completely mow down Kansas on the, on the defensive side of the ball for the Wildcats. And I think it does something to recruits as well. We've talked about it in the past. Turner Corcoran, the best lineman in the state of Kansas, he's committed to Nebraska. Daniel Jackson, the wide receiver at Miege, the number two prospect, committed to Minnesota. Third prospect, Kai Thomas, committed to Minnesota. See, this is stuff... They've, they, they've got to run this. I mean, Minnesota getting two of the top three recruits in the state of Kansas. Nebraska gets number one. They're struggling lately. Then Kansas State starts showing up at seven, nine, and ten. Kansas State or Kansas, excuse me, eleven and twelve in the rankings. But there was a lot of uncertainty, and I understand where a lot of recruits they didn't know what was going on in Manhattan. They certainly didn't know what was going on in Lawrence, and I think that was kind of the asterisk by last year's. But if anything. What a win for Chris Kleiman. I mean, you beat a top-five opponent, opponent in Oklahoma. You go down and beat your in-state rival that was feeling themselves. Sellout in Lawrence, Kansas, first time since '09. Now, granted, it was a lot of K-State fans, but you know what? I think that Oklahoma rivalry or game or that win, you know, kind of got the Kansas State fans excited. See what Kleiman, this guy was picked ninth in the Big 12 before the season started, and look at him. Yeah, these and I've covered high school football for a long time. These coaches respect Lyman. You know, he was he wasn't hesitant to recruit Kansas City kids at North Dakota State. He believed in that. Any pun intended with your miles to go uh, comment there, John? <laughs> there wasn't actually, but uh, <laughs> look, I, I've got I've got all sorts of lines, man. I I, I have uh, Brent deer in a headlight, deer in the headlights from, uh, from Saturday. I've got, I could go all day with those. I'm not going to lie. I made sure to have some fun with that. Kansas was chirping. Uh, before that game, and, and K-State fans have really uh, have really clapped back. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you go watch 
last week's Miles to Go episode, yeah. you will find that it was updated uh, as of today, and Kansas clipped out the who is K-State part of it. Oh, they clipped uh, that out. Jayhawks. Jayhawks have a little leg on their foot. I actually made that show one time. Uh, it was one of the first episodes. I was uh, talking about Miles, and I don't think it was in great terms. I don't exactly remember what it was, but I showed up <laughs> on there. I heard from people, hey, they took your audio, Jay, and they credited 610, but, you know, <clears throat> It was my thoughts on Les Miles. All right, 2.30. 2.30, you can hear the game right here. 6.10 Sports Radio as we're talking to John Kurtz, our Kansas State insider. Kansas State going down to Texas, a team that they've had success against in the past. I'm actually looking forward to this because Texas is a team to me that is mildly underachieved. I understand you lose in the Red River shootout to the Oklahoma Sooners. I get that. But then the parlay that should have been a little angry. Should have been a little, little angry losing 34-27 to in Oklahoma. Let Kansas come down and put 48 on them. Then they go to TCU and lose by 10 on a TCU team that I don't think has a ton going for them, to be quite honest with you, John. And then, of course, Kansas State this weekend. This Texas team already sitting with three losses. I get it. LSU, that was a good loss. If there is such a thing as a good loss, seven-point loss to LSU. It looked like they were going to be better than what they are. Texas, I think, is a fascinating uh, team right now in terms of where, where's their head going to be at going into this game because it's an outside chance at best that they are going to find a way into the Big 12 championship game and have a shot to win what was undoubtedly one of their goals this year. They're not going to the college football playoff, which is really, I think, where a, a lot of the expectations were for this Texas team this year. And so what do they have? Coming off of a loss like that in the bye week, what do they have left in the tank? Does Texas care about playing this game against K-State and playing out the rest of their schedule? Um, that, that was a bad loss to TCU, and I know Texas is beat up. I will say the, the one thing that scares me about this game is I, I do feel like K-State is catching, in all likelihood, Texas at a bad time because the Longhorns desperately needed that bye week to get healthy. Uh, King Stearns is back in their in their secondary, who is a very good player, a potential All-Big 12, kind of a safety who missed the last four weeks. So Texas will be rested and recouped from a health standpoint see how bad their secondary was against Kansas a few weeks ago, and they desperately needed some help back there. And after K-State, I mean, you just played two games back-to-back that were pretty emotional for you, obviously beating the number 5 team in the country, and then the Bolton board material and everything leading up to that game against Kansas and Les Miles. Do you have enough left in the tank if you're K-State to ratchet back up the intensity there for a team that is well-rested on the other side? So I think there's actually a lot that would indicate here Texas should have the advantage Plus, the Wildcats are a bit beat up also. A.J. Parker's going to be out for this game and for the foreseeable future with the, an ankle fracture. He is K-State's best corner, uh, I think, in all Big 12, kind of a corner. And then two running backs, Jordan Brown and James Gilbert, still beat up in their status, iffy, going into that game on Saturday. So, unfortunately, reading the tea leaves, a lot of this would tell you that Texas has the upper hand. It's just a question of whether or not the Longhorns will be motivated to go play K-State. Does it not look like Gilbert's going to go? He's the one that's more up in the air. Uh, he, James Gillard did show up on Tuesday to the media session, and he says he could have played on Saturday. I don't know about that. I watched him in warm-ups. He did not. I mean, he looked very, very gimpy. Uh, they seem pretty confident, the coaches do, that Jordan Brown will be able to play. I think Gilbert is going to be a game-time decision. Final thing for you, John. The college football rankings came out this week, as they will each and every Tuesday leading up to the final one there in December. Uh, 16th for the Kansas State Wildcat. I, I think that's at the ultimate respect, too. Uh, three Big 12 teams, 
uh, well, actually four in the rankings with Oklahoma State coming at the bottom, but Oklahoma, Baylor, and then Kansas State. And one thing I like about this is Kansas State ranked one ahead of undefeated Minnesota. Minnesota ranked seventeenth. Uh, Kansas State with two losses at sixteenth. That and just sandwich right between Notre Dame and Minnesota. But I thought the college football uh, playoff rankings gave Kansas State some nice props. I thought a lot of respect shown there. I, I had I did not think K State was going to be there at all. Uh, K State even a, a funny story. They had some graphics made up already to get ready to tweet when the rankings came out. Uh, they had to scramble and make a graphic up for number sixteen because <laughs> they did not plan for it being that high. <laughs> Um, which is very interesting. I think it's nice to be in front of Minnesota because K-State is bumping up against P.J. Fleck quite a bit uh, in recruiting for guys like Ty Connors out of Topeka. So, you know, there is a little carrot, I think, for the Wildcats there. And what's interesting to me about it is that it seems like since Kleiman first got here to K-State, the national respect level for him has been higher than the local and regional respect level for him. It's not that right now K-State fans don't respect Chris Kleiman. It couldn't be further from the truth, but the Wildcats were – I think fans were very surprised in general to see K-State at 16, whereas nationally the selection committee says, no, you guys are the number 16 team in the country. And when he was hired, K-State fans revolted, did not like the hire at all, when nationally it was received pretty well. And a lot of praise was heaped on K-State for that. So it seems to continue that sort of a trend there. But it's very nice. I mean, if K-State wins out, they, they certainly could be in the running for a New Year's Six Bowl. It's great because Kai Thomas, as you mentioned, the running back, the third best prospect in Kansas, going to Minnesota. Then Daniel, or Daniel Jackson, excuse me, the wide receiver, Bishop E.H., committed to Minnesota as well. John Kurtz, J.L. Kurtz on Twitter, K Man in Manhattan, also does the 435 Podcast Network, faithful to our colors, an outstanding look at Kansas State. Thanks a million, John. Hey, anytime, Jay. Appreciate it. Kansas State, thanks to John Kurtz right there. Kansas State already with six wins at Texas. Versus West Virginia at home at Texas Tech. Then Iowa State to close out the season before the bowl game for Kansas State. Coming up next, Gary Pinkle. The significance of Mizzou playing Georgia. It was the game that turned around the program at Missouri being in the SEC. We'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that next. Joining us now as he does each and every week at Rush the Field, the all-college football show. Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time wins leader at Missouri and Toledo. Not to mention, as we talk about, and we'll bring it up again, The 100-Yard Journey, his book. Go to GaryPinkle.com. That's the best way to get it. It's right there, right there in front of you to order it before Christmas. Dave Matter did a great job on the book in the forward done by Nick Saban. Uh, Coach, how we doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? We're doing good, Coach. Doing good. Missouri Tigers. Uh, this is a big game against Georgia this week, Coach. Uh, a bye week last week for the Tigers, and now Georgia. Here's the thing, Coach. I, I know that Arkansas is kind of the, the manufactured rival in the SEC. Uh, it looks like uh, Kansas might be on the horizon for Missouri, a natural rival, of course. I've always looked at Georgia as a rival, and I don't know if I'm, I'm silly or not, Coach, because I, I felt like that was a coming of age when you went down there and beat Georgia in back-to-back years, parlaying yourself to the SEC title game. But it started with that first win at Georgia. Yeah, it really was. That's a great that's a great school. I mean, uh, Athens, Georgia is just a suburb or like 30 minutes, 40 minutes outside, northeast of uh, Atlanta. And great recruiting. I didn't realize it was such a great job until I got in the SEC. But it's a great uh, venue to play in. It's over 90,000 people. And uh, very fortunate to have some big games, 13 we played down there. And, and it was really, really a, a big, big game for us. And certainly, I think we had a fourth in the nation that year. But uh, it's a great environment to play in. And I always, always tell my players, 
you know, don't fear playing in places. Just to get excited about playing in some of the great places uh, in the country and, you know, and playing your best. And that's kind of, you know, you should be excited about playing in places like that. Coach, you were on a roll. You got a chance to play him. I don't think the nation had quite seen just how exciting uh, your team was to watch. And I felt like that was a game. I think it was on SEC Network, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I think it was, it was further in the year that you started showing up on, on some of the uh, the channels that a lot of people have. But that game, to me, Coach, it signified you're ready to roll because Georgia was a big place, uh, what, seventh in the country uh, when you went down and beat them there at that point. And you had been undefeated that year. You only had a couple games in the SEC. I think just one, actually. I think it was Vanderbilt was the only SEC team that you had played, and you played your former school, Toledo, that year as well. But when you win that game, 41-26 to on the road, do you think it was at that point people started looking at Missouri saying, all right, this team can play in the SEC? And I think you have to, you have to prove yourself always, and I think that's, that's no, I have no problem with that. And I, you know, I thought we had a really good football team. That football team was a lot better uh, in the first of October than they were in September, and a lot better in November than October. You've heard me say that before. Mm-hmm. The teams that really get better are really fun to coach, and uh, you know that that really kind of when you have a win like that, that propels you. It just it just kind of ignites you, and you got to use that energy not to feel great about yourself. You can't for a little bit, but you got to use that energy to keep playing better to. They keep winning so that uh, you have great opportunities uh, as the uh, rest of the season goes on. Yeah, it was one of those games. I, I just remember, I, for some reason, I always considered Georgia. And I'd gone down, of course, to Columbia the first time you played uh, Georgia in the SEC. I went out a couple times and saw some of the great running backs in the program that they have. But uh, big for Missouri. And here's a week, Coach. Kelly Bryant, um, you know, Barry Odom talked. You know, he looks like he's he's ready to go. Um, I don't know if he could have played if it was yesterday, but he'll probably play this weekend. Taylor Powell, uh, of course, the quarterback in the waiting there. How difficult is that as a head coach trying to prepare two quarterbacks uh, just in case? Kansas City's going through that with uh, you know Pat Mahomes and Matt Moore. You know, sometimes you just never know who you're yeah, going to start. Happen. What's that? Yeah, it's happening all across the country this year. Yo, t- <laughs> college, on. NFL, everything. It's just crazy with the way it is, and so. You know, I think first of all, people understand that the player won't determine if he plays. That the medical staff does. So a guy could say, "I want to play. I want to play. I can play." But at the end of the day, that's why you have professional people. That's why you have people to help them make those those um, calls, so that you don't put the player in harm's way. So, you know, I I certainly hope he plays. But at the end of the day, you know, the medical staff will determine it. And if not, you got to adjust and move them over, move them up. It sounds kind of cruel, but at the end of the day, that's what you have to be able to do. You have to. You know, backup players just get themselves ready to play. And a lot of times the stars are born in situations like this, too. So uh, it'll be a great opportunity for somebody else. And, you know, we still great things can still happen, but this is obviously a big game. Well, they're coming off that bye week after Vanderbilt and Kentucky on the road. Here's another road game at Georgia. And it's one of those things, too, Coach. I mean, would you rather have that bye week to refresh, or would you have rather played Georgia last weekend? Well, I think, you know, I'm a realist, you know, and the buys where they're at. We know at the beginning of the season where they're at. And when you come to, you just have a plan for when you have and what you're going to do. I think most of all, that's the most important. You're going to do with your football team. But you generally decide that in June, July. So, um, you know, if that's what it turned out. We had a buy. Use your, your advantage. Get the guys refreshed, ready to go. Hopefully get some guys healed up. You have an extra time preparing because, you know, you don't have an opponent, so you can get video to the, to the players quicker, and they should maybe be prepared or 
most prepared as you could ever be. So you can really look at use it as your advantage, and I certainly think that that's something Barry probably did. Coach, uh, I know you're short on time uh, tonight. Obviously, you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I want to ask you about the college football playoffs, or the rankings came out this week. Uh, Ohio State was one, LSU two, Alabama three, Penn State four, Clemson left on the outside at number five. And there was you know, a little bit of complaining here and there, not necessarily here in Kansas City, but you pay attention to what they're saying in other places. And I, I don't really see the complaining because – to number two, LSU plays number three, Alabama. Then on the 23rd, you have number one, Ohio State, playing Penn State. So Clemson will, can slide right in there, maybe even as soon as this weekend. So, so much to go, but it's very unusual. Two plays three, and then you have one versus four here in just a, a few short weeks. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's what happens. It'll, it'll play itself out, and I think for the most part, that, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, you always think of the middle of the year that, boy, they're going to have 700 teams at the end of the year. Well, they play themselves out at the end, and uh, that's kind of cool that it happens. And uh, it's real exciting, I think. And I think it's good to have, you know, I'd rather have a full playoff system, but they don't. Also, we have some people there that are professionals to try to help make good decisions. And I think since they've done this, I think it's really gone in a positive way. I don't know if our listeners here here heard anything I hear, but I'm at an airport here flying. <laughs> i got to fly out. So. Well, you got to fly anyway, out, Coach. Uh, I get that. I get that. I get that completely. But I am looking forward to LSU-Alabama this weekend, Coach. Not oh, going to lie. I mean, Joe football. Burrow versus Holy Tua. Smokes. Come on. Holy smokes. That's going to be a great, great football game. It's completely exciting. Well, and the one thing too, coach, and it's, it's kind of funny. I was looking at a, a mock draft by a guy that's uh, pretty reputable in the business and, uh, I counted them seven players in the first round from the 2017 recruiting class of Alabama, including Tua that he had going number one. And that's not even including like Najee or Devontae Smith. We can actually see nine Alabama players from one recruiting class in the first one or two rounds. That is insane what Nick Saban's been able to do. Yeah, uh, well, it's a consistency. You know, that can, I've said it to you before. You know, obviously, I know him really well. But at the end of the day, the consistency of how he does things, he, he doesn't deviate. And he replaces a lot of staff because he gets a lot of guys to become head football coaches. But he, uh, he will go down as the greatest college football coach ever. One of his uh, guys he always uh, uh, liked and was a, really helped him was Bill Belichick and Don James. So I'm kind of, you know, both those guys too. So, uh, but at the end, they've done a great. This that should be a great, great football game to watch, and hopefully we can watch it after we get a big win against Georgia. Well, you've been around some good coaches, uh, coach. That's uh, definitely for sure. But uh, I do want to mention your book again. It's called The Hundred Yard Journey. Um, you can find it at GaryPinkle dot com or gpmade dot com. You can go to either one of those URLs and you can find it there. Amazon, various other places, Barnes and Noble. I and you had it there for a while, and you can also see Gary's uh, foundation in the good stuff that he's doing for a lot of uh, people. But uh, gave this book out, Coach, when you came to the studio, signed a few of them. I appreciate it, and uh, the people appreciated it. So uh, I definitely encourage. I mean, Christmas will be here before you know it, so you might as well get a head start. That's awesome. Well, thanks, and uh, let's have a great weekend this week. Okay? All right, Coach. All the best to you. Take care. Get back. There you go, Gary Pinkle right there. Big game for Missouri at Georgia. They kind of let things slip through their fingers with that Vanderbilt and Kentucky loss. They're right there, right there at the top of the SEC East with the game at Georgia and then Florida at home. So Missouri kind of let that slip through their fingers. Coming up next, we switch gears and talk University of Kansas, as we always do each week with Josh Klingler, sideline reporter at the University of Kansas. How big of a setback was the Sunflower Showdown for the Jayhawks? We'll talk to Kling next. 
back to Rusty Field. Time to talk Kansas Jayhawks with the one, the only Josh Klingler from Fesco in the morning, five fifty-eight Monday through Friday, plus the sideline reporter for the Kansas Jayhawks football team. Kling, good night. Well, it's uh, it's the bye week, so I wish we had uh, you know more positive vibes coming out of last week. But uh, we'll see how they handle not having a game this week, and just uh, all about practice and recruiting, I guess when you're when you're on the bye. Was that kind of deflating for Kansas? I mean, that was not how I thought that game would go at all, to be honest with you. I like Kansas being on a roll, what they did at Texas with Dearman. I like what they did finishing a game against Texas Tech. They sold out uh, the booth the first time since 2009, albeit a lot of Kansas State fans, regardless, still a sellout. People are feeling good about that program. Was that a setback or a glitch? I think a little bit of a glitch, but I think everybody involved, including including the, the head coach, was hoping to put on a better show when the place was packed. So, I mean, they had kind of asked the fans to come out a little bit on faith, right, and then showed some production for, for a couple of games and, and I think tried to recruit as many people to come out and if they hadn't seen the product before to see it again and to have uh, K-State kind of really just put their thumb on them for an entire game was, uh, was certainly disappointing. But, you know, I think they have made some strides and, and they, they aren't that far away from the team that, that was – two weeks prior, so uh, I'm guessing they'll get back to that during the bye week a little bit and, and get there, but they, they put a lot of you know motion into this game, and certainly getting all the fans in the stadium as well was a big goal, so to not perform as well as they thought they could heading into uh, the matchup was certainly disappointing, but I think they made quite a few strides. They just have to remember that. I'm guessing this week's a little bit about that with the coaching staff too, right? It's kind of building back up the the uh, the confidence level that was that was pretty good heading into the game and had to be a little bit down I know it was for some of the players I talked to after the game um, against K State yeah they're feeling good about themselves Kansas the tenth ten out of ten teams in rushing defense that really was the story just the we talk all the time with the Chiefs claiming the time of possession Kansas State dominating this one thirty eight minutes to twenty one minutes but the biggest difference was on the ground three forty two yeah. for Kansas State sixty one for Kansas, and you're talking about guys like Harry Trotter, you know, stepping up for Gilbert, uh, who's basically led the the Wildcats in every game but two now. Is Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, thir- 17 carries, 127 yards, and three touchdowns? I really felt like Skylar Thompson put a great. This is this is back the Bill Snyder throwback quarterbacks can run, they can throw just 129 yards passing, but 127 yards rushing. Couldn't be any more split. Than what he was, sixteen uh, uh, pass attempts, seventeen rush attempts. That's about as balanced as you can get from Skylar Thompson. And didn't really need to throw that much either. I mean, they had the option game working early and and often, and Kansas had no answer for it. So um, they could have they could have run, 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 and I think they did. I think they did find a few different plays that were working for them, and they just kept going to the well. And Kansas didn't have a lot of answers to it, especially with the, uh, the quarterback option game, which they hadn't shown a, a ton of. They had the week prior a little bit against Oklahoma, but it hadn't been something that they had, had used as a strength. But they ran it a couple times, found success. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, third and fourth string running back stepping in there and running the football awfully well. K-State played great, I thought, um, in, in that matchup and, and really put some distance. I know Kansas wanted to at least kind of feel like they closed the gap on, on, on K-State, but uh, K-State certainly put out the stiff arm. A uh, a bye week for the Kansas Jayhawks, but then a daunting task. Really, the last four games of Kansas uh, for Kansas tough. Kansas State at home at Oklahoma State, that's uh, ranked in the college football rankings. 
Then at Iowa State, always a tough place to play with uh, Matt Campbell in the way he gets them playing. And then finishing off against the Baylor team that's been exceptional this year. So the road, not much easier for the Kansas Jayhawks. No, not at all. Certainly going out on the road is it's not been an easy task for, for previous Kansas teams, right? They did pick up a road win earlier this year at BC and can kind of lean on that a little bit. Iowa State, as you mentioned, always a tough place to go. And then uh, – who knows where Baylor's sitting by the time uh, that rolls around at the end of the season. That would be a massive game for Baylor or a huge opportunity to play a big role of spoiler for uh, for Kansas. But certainly uh, won't be easy those last three games. I know the Texas Tech and K-State games were the ones a lot of fans had circled as ones that in year one for Les Miles could be could be games that you could get with fellow uh, first-year head coaches. So um, to, to get one of two, I guess, is okay. But, yeah, the momentum feels like they're going to have to probably pick it up again and, and have to play a lot better football for these last three games. Josh Klingler, sideline reporter for the Kansas Jayhawks, also the co-host, Fesco in the morning, 5.58 each day, Monday through Friday. Make sure you check them out tomorrow as they talk Chiefs against the Titans. Thanks a lot, Kling. You bet, Bank. And there you go, Josh Klingler, University of Kansas talk right there. And back to Pinkle for just a second. Uh, we talked to him about 8.30. And one thing is interesting is uh, – Brandon Kylie does the uh, True Sun podcast here. It's all about Missouri. On the 435 Podcast Network, you have Josh Klingler with the, or excuse me, uh, Sean Levine with the Mass Street Podcast for Kansas, uh, John Kurtz with the Faithful Tour Colors, Kansas State, and True Sun Podcast with Brandon Kylie. He had uh, TJ Moe on. He's been very opinionated about the coach, and he doesn't believe in firing Barry Odom. Give this guy a chance is what TJ Moe says. Here's TJ. My support hasn't wavered at all, so I, I'm not sure why people get those so confused. Everybody's just—it's it's like everybody's personal goal on Twitter to get me to say fire Barry Odom, and it's just not going to happen because I don't base my opinion on singular games, and I especially don't base my opinion when a coach has three years of growth for a team and then starts a season five and one off of two bad games. I'm not going to do that. Now, if, if, if you struggle and you have uh, games and, and periods of time where Everything is not going perfect. Well, that's called being normal. This season is, a, is not perfectly the same, but similar to our 2009 season. It just so happens that Gary Pinkle had some really big years before that. But in 2009, we beat Illinois, nearly lost to Bowling Green, probably should have, started out 4-0, then got beat by Nebraska on a Thursday night when they had no business beating us. Uh, and they came back. Oklahoma State beat us, and then we got blown off the field against Texas, and everybody's saying, what happened to this Gary Pinkle team? It, what the hell is the matter with you? And this is sort of where this team is finding themselves right now. You, the backs are up against the wall, and they got to start swinging. We had a team that ended up swinging, and we finished that season 8-4 and four before the bowl game. Uh, that's similar to where this team is. I, I don't think there's a, a big place to be making judgments on a coach who has had more wins every season that he goes about and then have two poor games and say, see, there's justification he should be fired. Everybody who supported him is an idiot. There's T.J. Moe on the uh, True Sun podcast, the Brandon Kiley. Interesting stuff there. Of course, T.J. played uh, for Gary Pinkle and the University of Missouri. And the one thing is, is quarterbacks. Missouri's always had him. You know, Barry Odom had Drew Locke. You know, Gary Pinkle, very instrumental on Drew Locke coming to uh, University of Missouri. It's a big deal. And to lose to Vanderbilt and then lose to a wide receiver at Kentucky. Lynn Bowden. They had a wide receiver playing quarterback. He's their leading receiver this year and a leading receiver this year. Not good for the University 
of Missouri. As we do each and every week to kind of wind down Rush the Field, top three games of the weekend, grab your popcorn, order your uh, pizza, get your beer cold. Here's what we got going, Julio, and we'll talk about some of these tomorrow night. Uh, Penn State, number five against number 13, Minnesota. How about that? Minnesota Golden Gophers are undefeated. Not only that, they're not getting the respect. And they haven't played very many people, but they are undefeated. But the one thing about Minnesota is it's funny. They're 8-0. They're 17th in the new college football playoff rankings. Kansas State 6-2 is ahead of them at number 16. So I'm sure that uh, they feel just a little bit slighted due to the Golden Gophers. 11 a.m. on ABC for that one. I like to do 11 a.m., 2.30 and 7. You don't have to miss much. Uh, number one, LSU, AP-wise, against Alabama, 2-3 and three in the college football rankings. 2.30 on CBS. And I'll be honest with you, this could be a good game. Tua versus Joe Burrow. This is a Heisman Trophy-type game. You win this game, all of a sudden you're the front runner. It's that simple. But you know what? It's attrition. College football, this is essentially a college football playoff game between Alabama and LSU. Makes a difference in the SEC title game. So Alabama versus LSU, 230 on CBS. Looking forward to this one. And then at night, how about Iowa State? Three losses this year, but pesky. At number nine, OU. OU is pissed. They had the bye last week. After that KSU loss, they got around to sit and think about it. Keep in mind, Jalen Hurts, Heisman Trophy front again. Kyler Murray had lost a bad game. Baker Mayfield lost a bad game. Could he still get back in the Heisman race? Oklahoma slid the ninth. They're desperate for a big-time win, which is funny because this team is rolling, and with Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator, has been absolutely unbelievable. Thanks to the cast of characters that join me each and every week. John Kurtz talking Kansas State football. Gary Pinkle, the legend, comes on each and every week, talks about Missouri, and Josh Klingler talking about the University of Kansas. And, of course, a big thank you to Julio Sanchez producing the operation. Enjoy Thursday night football with the Raiders and the Chargers. I'm back tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. See you then. Rush the field with Jay Binkley.